Welcome back to Silent Exposure. I am your host, Mitchell Crossan, and this is our 2021 College Football National Championship Preview Pod, and that game is going to take place Monday, January 10th, and that is going to be the rematch of the SEC Championship game, Alabama and Georgia. So we're releasing this episode to you a little bit early in the week. We normally record and release on Sundays, but with the championship game already being next Monday, we wanted to record and release this episode today on Wednesday. January 5th, so that we can give it to you guys ahead of time and let you guys listen towards the end of the week or the weekend as we head into the game. And it's crazy that we're at this point where the season's coming to an end. This is it. There's been a lot of turnover. There's a lot that we're going to have to dive into in the off season, and the show's really going to take off. So stay tuned for more content coming your way even after the national championship game. But nonetheless, we're talking about Alabama and Georgia in this pod, so let's go ahead and dive into that. So this is not the first time, especially in the recent memory and over the last decade, that two teams from the same conference, and notably the SEC, have met each other in the national championship game. And so let's go ahead and turn the clocks back to 2011, when LSU and Alabama were the top two teams in the country that year. And not only did they face off with LSU being the number one ranked team in the country, and Alabama being the number two ranked team in the country in November, LSU won that game. And if you guys look back, remember that game was nuts. LSU won in OT 9-6. So no touchdowns, strictly field goals. And honestly, that was a game that Alabama should have won. And if you look back on that game, Alabama was bouncing between kickers, and they only made two out of six attempts. When you only lose by three points, and you missed four field goals, that's the game right there. So that was a telltale sign to tell us what should come, assuming these teams met later on in the year. And so, as we know, LSU went on and crushed Georgia in the SEC championship game, 42-10. And then LSU met Alabama in a rematch in the national championship game, which was technically the 2012 BCS national championship. Alabama defeated LSU 21-0, and, you know, a little more exciting than the 9-6 game, and not that those close games aren't exciting by any means, but, look, we should have realized after Alabama missed four kicks and left 12 points on the board, they were the better team, and not that LSU was bad. LSU was really good that year. Tyron Matthew, they've always had athletes, they've always had players. Les Miles was a good coach, especially at that time, but... Alabama definitely had a little bit of an edge, and especially when they are viewed as the underdog. And Nick Saban has done such a good job about even making his team feel like they are the underdog, even when they're truly not. We all saw his comments and Will Anderson's comments before the Cincinnati game in the CFP semifinal last week. They, they they really felt disrespected. And you know that Nick Saban is sitting there and telling his team and his defense, hey, you know, Cincinnati's really good and people are really hyping them up. Desmond Ritter, you know, they got those fancy DBs, Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. You know, it's a really good tandem. They're really good. And so he makes his team feel like they're the underdog and they believe it and they completely buy into it. And we see what happens, whether or not they believe they are the underdog or if they truly are and they go out and they dominate their opponents. So now let's fast forward a couple years to the 2017 season, which was the 2018 College Football National Championship game, where Alabama defeated Georgia 26-23, 
after being down 13 to nothing at halftime. And this was an overtime, by the way. And as we remember, starting quarterback Jalen Hurts was benched for backup to Tagovailoa. And in halftime, Georgia gets the ball first, kicks a field goal. They come up with that big sack when Alabama has the ball on offense. All the momentum going Georgia's way. It feels like, oh my gosh, are they actually going to do it? And then the very next play, freshman-to-freshman connection with two attackers by Aloha hitting Devontae Smith down the sideline. Game over. Championship over. Took the wind out of the room completely. And Georgia found itself in a similar spot that they'd been in years past. And look, we know this isn't the first time Alabama has done this. But again, you know, at that game, Nick Saban knew going in, look, if we're, if we're struggling at halftime, we're not going to think about it. We have a guy that can throw the ball really well. We have all these great offensive weapons, including Devontae Smith. If we if we cannot get the ball to them, we'll make the change. We'll bring in Tagovailoa. We'll see what happens. And that was, first of all, a really gutsy change to make. You're bringing in a freshman in the halftime of a championship game, but not only to make that decision, but it worked. And they planned for it as well. And not that Jalen Hurts had a bad year, but you could just see the struggle. And it was apparent in that first half as they were shut out by the Bulldogs. And you have to give Georgia's defense credit. But for Alabama's coaching staff to recognize that throughout the year, recognize that in their bowl prep, and knowing that, look, if it's not working, we're going to make the change. We're not going to freak out. We're prepared for this. And it worked. So hats off to the Alabama Crimson Tide. But here we are again. The 2021 football season for the 2022 College Football National Championship. And it's a rematch of the SEC Championship that we just saw a couple weeks ago with Alabama and Georgia facing off again, this time in Indianapolis on Monday. So let's circle back to the 2021 SEC Championship game that we just saw. As we know, Alabama and Jameson Williams blew the doors off of Georgia's defense, and this was this historic defense that everybody was talking about all year long. 41-24 was the final score, with Alabama absolutely opening it up in the second quarter, dropping 24 points, dropping 7 in the third, 10 in the fourth, and Georgia just kind of hung around. You know, they did put up 17 themselves in the first half, but you knew the momentum that was flowing Alabama's way at halftime, they were going to run away with that game. And in that game, Jameson Williams was like a stick of dynamite. Alabama was not afraid to go over the middle. They clearly saw some things on film. They knew what they could exploit in that Georgia defense, and it worked to the best of their ability as well. And Jameson Williams went off for a great day. That was the game that Bryce Young won the Heisman, and the rest is history. It was really easy to be high on Georgia this year, and for good reason, but I never really completely bought into the Georgia defense hype, and not that they're not good. They have had a very good season, but you look at this Alabama team, This and Alabama doesn't rebuild, they reload, so I guess we won't call it a rebuilding year, but it's really more of a reloading year, if you will, because you look at the team last year, the 2020 Alabama football team, that was insane. That was one of the best, at least, offensive teams we've seen in modern-day history. And you can go back and look at the LSU 2019 team. People have compared those two teams a lot, especially their offensive skill. But Alabama had Mac Jones, 
He's been playing good for the Patriots and the NFL. Najee Harris was a stud. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. They had guys littered around and have had so much talent last year that you were going to have to make up for it somehow this year. Now, they got Jameson Williams. And frankly, they're lucky they did get him because they're missing so many pieces. And they have just young guys that have yet to be developed. And you know that they'll get there. They're just not there yet. And they're young. They're inexperienced. But you have a first-year quarterback in Bryce Young. You have, I guess you could say, unproven running backs. But now we know with Brian Robinson and what he did as a fifth-year senior in the CFP semifinal with finally having his coming-out game, if you will, after waiting and sitting and just waiting for his time around. And he finally got that. But this is a team that has flaws. And we've seen those flaws throughout the year. They have not been dominating their competition. They beat Florida by one. Florida's not a good team. They struggled to run the ball against LSU. LSU is not a good team. They struggled against Auburn on the road. Now, that was a game that we were highlighting earlier in the year. And actually, I wanted to pick Auburn to beat Alabama in that game. Not only because Auburn has proven that they're able to pull out a win in that rivalry every couple years. But on the road, night game for Alabama. Hostile environment. Auburn has the the Bo Nix veteran quarterback, and I felt like they were due for another win. Now, Bo Nix got hurt. That changed things up. But even then, it took Alabama a couple of overtimes to go in and win that game. Another key ingredient to Alabama struggling is their offensive line. Their O-line has not been great. It's improved. And now part of that, you do have to give Bryce Young for being very calm in the pocket, you know, it almost feels like his his brain and the way he's able to go work through his reads is almost one of his biggest attributes. And I would say the same thing about C.J. Stroud with Ohio State's quarterback, where he's not an absolute stud. He's not a true do threat quarterback, but the way he can process information and pick up a scheme and dissect an offense, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, feel similar in that regard. Bryce Young definitely has a little bit more of a a dual threat ability, can run the ball a little bit better. I know that they don't really use him in the run game too much, and you don't have to when you have Brian Robinson running for 200 yards against Cincinnati. I don't think Brian is going to do that against his Georgia defense. I would be very surprised. But point is, Alabama is not just going to beat you with their absolute studs and their five-star talent across the board. I do think the Bryce Young to Jameson Williams connection is real. And now we have tape on what we can do to make it work if you're Alabama. Now, same can be said for Georgia. You know what went wrong last time. Let's see how you can go back and fix it. I don't think we're going to see anything too different here. But if you're Alabama and you have your your lack of skill players on offense, especially with John Mechie being hurt, him being kind of your third down, you know, settle in the zone kind of guy, you're going to have to hone in on Jamison Williams again. And I don't think that's a huge issue for Bama because what have we seen so far from them this year, especially against Cincinnati in the CFP semifinal? They take what the defense gives them. And when you see that, you have to give huge credit to Nick Saban and the coaching staff there. 
They do their homework and they're the best in the business for a reason. You cannot give Nick Saban multiple weeks to prepare and he's going to dissect your team and figure out what can you give me and I'll take it and we'll win. They were not trying to blow Cincinnati up. They were not trying to prove I'm the bigger dog on the block. I'm going to punch you in the mouth right away. It's going to be, okay, we respect your defense. We respect your DBs. We know you'll throw some blitz packages at us and Bryce Young. We'll take what you give us. And that's why Bryce Young only threw for 180 yards. Yet they won by 21 points, right? They had faith in their defense. They didn't think Cincinnati could score touchdowns on them. And they didn't. That is crucial, especially for the Alabama team this year. They know that it's maybe a tier below than the team they had last year, but they're just going to continue taking what the defense gives them. In the SEC championship game, Georgia's giving them stuff over the middle, stuff over the top, and Bryce Young and Jameson Williams, it looked like a seven-on-seven game. I mean, it was just ridiculous. But point is, we've seen a lot from both teams already. And that obviously stems from the fact that they just played each other a couple weeks ago. So we already have film. They fill on each other. And I don't think it's going to be a matter of, you know, what new wrinkles can be thrown in, but just more of what can we exploit and what can we learn based off of the outcome from the conference championship game. Let's go ahead and switch over to the Georgia side. And we've said this before. But if you take Georgia's roster top to bottom, and if you align that with any other roster in the country, you have a really, really good argument to take Georgia's roster and Georgia's team every time. You could line it up against Alabama, Texas A&M, Ohio State, Clemson, etc., and you can argue, I'll take Georgia. They have a ton of talent. They recruit almost as well as you can recruit. They have a good coach in Kirby Smart. They've consistently shown that they're building towards this national championship that they've been so close to get. And they just cannot get over the Alabama and Nick Saban hump. We're not going to release our predictions now. We'll release them later on in the week on social media. So stay tuned for that. But I think it's really easy to overthink games like this. And I do think people were getting too excited to pick Michigan over Georgia in that CFP. And I actually heard some picks to pick Cincinnati over Alabama. Now, I completely understand picking Michigan over Georgia. We picked Georgia by four. Georgia ended up smashing Michigan. Michigan was hitting their stride at the right time. They were playing really well, and they had some guys like David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson come along at the right time. But if you compare the rosters, there is a talent gap. And we know that the SEC is known for being the better conference. And I do think the Big Ten is coming around. Penn State's always always a threat. Ohio State's always the the top dog on the block. If Michigan State can turn a corner, if Michigan can continue to sustain the success, we could maybe see a changing of the guard down the road. But that's time for a different pod. Point is, Georgia has always had the talent to pull in that national championship they just cannot get over the Alabama hump. I, I do think there is a mental block on Georgia in just trying to get past Alabama and Nick Saban. I think a lot of it, I, I don't want to say a lot, I think some of it is almost sometimes there's nothing you can really do when you give Nick Saban the GOAT, 
time to prepare and you're already playing against the Heisman winner and Will Anderson and the way that they're able to prep and take what you give them makes it really hard for you guys to take down the Crimson Tide. I think another key element that George is missing is that stud at quarterback. We know that they had Justin Fields in the past. They had Jake Fromm as their starter at that point, and they lost Fields to the portal. Imagine if they were able to keep Justin Fields. I'm not saying that Fields was would be on the team this year, because he, that would technically make him a senior, and he was so good he went pro after his junior year at Ohio State. But you are missing that stud quarterback when you have all these athletes and you're just littered with four and five stars on the offense and defense side of the ball. If you're able to put in that dual threat or that stud quarterback, that just changes everything. I mean, you know, if we took Bryce Young and dropped him in the quarterback on Georgia's roster and took Stenson Bennett and took him and dropped him on Alabama's roster, would the outcome change? Would it be any different than what we think now? And I'm not saying it would or wouldn't, but it's just an interesting thought exercise to think, what if Georgia actually has a stud at quarterback? And Bryce Young looks pretty darn good. I mean, he is the highest been winner after all. And I know that these years we take that with a little bit of a grain of salt, but he's had a fantastic year and looks very, very good and very comfortable throwing the ball back there. I do think that's something that Georgia's missing. When you have Jake Fromm, you have JT Daniels, you have Stenson Bennett, I do not think that Georgia can really get over the hump when you have these B, B-plus quarterbacks. You need that A guy. Alabama always has an A guy. Ohio State always has an A guy. Clemson's had a down year, but they've had A guys, right? Oklahoma's always had an A guy at quarterback. Georgia's got to get on board and bring in that A guy. I think that's the key piece they're missing. I'm not saying that we're predicting Alabama to win right now, but it's just hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that George has all this talent, but just cannot get that stud quarterback to just stay because we know they had Justin Fields, like we just mentioned. And if you can get him to stay, do you pull out a championship? You, know, I, I don't know. I know that they liked Jake Fromm. He was the reason why I, they made it to the championship game in the 2017 season. Now, I know that Georgia's defense was very good that year as well, but remember, everybody was very excited of Jake Fromm and his progression, and he just didn't progress the way a lot of people thought he would. And then now you're stuck in this rut of JT Daniels and Stenson Bennett. Now, I'll say it. If Stenson Bennett goes out there, throws for 330, three touchdowns and no picks, I'll tip the hat, I'll apologize, and hey, you had a hell of a game, right? There's not much I can say. But until I see that against Alabama, I have no reason to think that Georgia's going to get over the hump. I think it's the Crimson Tide, and I think it just puts in Alabama in a really good spot when they already know who their opponent is and they already have the success lined up from a couple weeks ago to look back on. Okay, so that is going to do it for this episode. In our preview of the 2022 College Football Playoff National Championship game in Indianapolis coming to you Monday night. Nonetheless, even though it's going to be Alabama-Georgia 2.0, still a very excited game. So much talent on both sides of the ball. We'll see if the Bulldogs can get over the hump. 
we'll see if Nick Saban is able to pull in yet another ring and keep his his dynasty afloat. And you know, we all know that he's done an incredible job. But look, he's already lost to one former assistant this year with Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. And this Alabama team is vulnerable. So we'll see if Georgia is able to capitalize and learn from their mistakes that they made in the SEC championship game. With that being said, our next pod will be released after the championship game. We're still working on timing, but it'll just be the recap of the championship game and a look ahead into the offseason, which we are very excited about here at SE. And to give you some insight into that, we're going to continue releasing episodes on Sundays in the offseason, and we're going to be taking a deep dive into one Power 5 program per week, exposing the specific details of that Power 5 program. So we're going to be covering the big dogs from each conference. And the reasoning and the thought process behind that is, one example is you hear a lot of Michigan State and Kenneth Walker III from this year. And how not only did Michigan State get Kenneth Walker from the transfer portal, but they built their almost their whole team this year from the transfer portal. And then the info kind of stops there. So for me, what I want to know is, okay, why did Kenneth Walker enter the transfer portal? He was at Wake Forest before. Okay, why did he leave Wake Forest? Let's go back a little further. Why did he choose Wake Forest? How was his playing time there? How did he perform there, etc.? And then you want to dive into and look at, okay, who are the other guys he got from the portal? Where did they come from? Why did they get them, etc.? And so we're going to be doing a deep dive into one Power 5 program each week, and it's going to be very exciting. We're also going to touch on some bonus pods throughout the offseason as well, and more info will come on this later. But stories, the big stories in college football we've seen in modern day history. So the story behind Joe Burrow's transfer from Ohio State to LSU. We'll dive into that. Cam Newton at Auburn. There's always been things floating around about that. So we'll jump into that a little bit. Johnny Manziel, Texas A&M. We'll jump into that. And then just other things as we, as we see fit as well. Maybe we'll talk about the Ohio State tattoo gate scandal, I guess we'll call it, from 2010, 2011. So big stories that have taken over the college football landscape over the last couple of years. Plus, we'll dive into, provide context for you guys, and just keep bringing you guys some good content. So stay tuned to see our official national championship picks on social media later this week. You can find us at Sideline Exposure on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and you can find us on Twitter at Sideline Expose. So if you've enjoyed the show, We would love a rating and review if you got it. And stay tuned next week for a new episode coming to you after the National Championship game. And as always, thank you for listening.